Children of God, I'm back. We talked earlier this morning. And I said to you that I would come back to you with part two of The Watchman and possibly part three. I spoke from Matthew, the 24th chapter, verses 36 through 39. And I believe I went just a little bit further into that. But we talked about the fact that during the time of Noah, before, before the flood came, that the signs of Jesus' coming were there. The signs all pointed to the Son of God coming back. And here we are again. We are God's people. And yet we're living our lives as if he's not going to come back soon. We are doing the very same thing that the children were doing during Noah's time. We are the church. But we are partying. We're playing games. In the church. We're having raffles. We're going on expensive church trips. We're entertaining the children to make them like the church. We're having fashion shows. We're having church tea parties. We're having game night, couples nights. Planning banquets, planning dinners planning for pastor's birthday, planning for pastor's anniversary, planning for pastor and first lady's birthday, planning for pastor and first lady's anniversary. And now I hear that some churches are celebrating the first children. What are we doing? How does all that sound to you now listen listen let me give you a disclaimer right now I didn't sit up and make this up the Lord is saying this the Holy Spirit revealed all this to me he said open up your eyes storyteller and see what I want you to see he says open up your mouth storyteller and tell what I want you to tell I'm his mouthpiece. He uses my eyes. He uses my mouth. So all of these things right here that I just mentioned, listen, if this is not your church, then you're fine. If you are not a participant in these things, you're fine. If you don't spend your time Six months out of the 12 months, if you're not spending your time preparing for the pastor's anniversary, pastor's dinners, pastor and first ladies, combined wedding anniversaries, and church anniversaries, if you're not spending your time in that way, then don't you worry about it. Remember when I first started the podcast, I said, if the shoe fits you, wear it. But if that's not your shoe, then may the Lord bless you real good. And I'm giving this disclaimer because I have a strong feeling that someone's going to be mad. Somebody's going to say, well, God allowed us to do those things in the church. If you are fine with that, even though God is not, if you can live with that, then may the Lord bless you real good. Now, let's move on. I want to read to you from the book of Ezekiel. Chapter three. And I'm gonna read verse 17 down to, I think 27. I'll do it as the Lord leads me. It was the duty of the watchman 
to watch for the approaching enemies and to warn the city of danger. Ezekiel was God's watchman. And Ezekiel, the prophet, was called to warn both the wicked people and the righteous people. He was to sound the alarm. He was to see what God saw and tell the people. He was to hear what God wanted him to hear and tell the people. He was the watchman for the city. It says, and it came to pass, verse 16, and it came to pass that at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me. This is Ezekiel talking. The word came to Ezekiel saying this. Now, let me just start right there. The problem that we have today is that the word of the Lord is not coming to us. And you probably have a puzzled look on your face and you're probably saying, yeah, God speaks to me. And if he does, God bless you. But I say what God says. We'll not steal enough. We'll not patient enough for the word of the Lord to come to us in the way that the word of the Lord came to these prophets. Ezekiel knew his job. He knew his lane and he stayed in his lane. So here's here's the thing. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him. How about because he was expecting God to talk? He was expecting to hear the word of the Lord. And and here's, here's what the word of the Lord did. The word of the Lord said this, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Let's read it a little bit differently. Prophets, preachers, pastors, Evangelists, mothers of the church, titles women, prayer warriors, intercessors. I have made thee a watchman over your house. I have made thee, mothers of the church, a watchman over the church house. I have made you pastors, prophets, preachers, prayer warriors, a watchman over the city. That's what I did. But you have refused to stay alert. You have fallen asleep at your post. You have refused to blow the trumpet. And because you have fallen asleep on your post, and you didn't see and you didn't hear that imminent danger was fast approaching, Destruction came. But let me tell you what the Lord says about us when we fall asleep. And we refuse to blow the trumpet. We refuse to alert the people that danger is right around the corner. The danger is hovering over your house, over your local church, over your city. I don't know where you all live, where all of you live, 
But where I live, danger is hovering over my city. 24-7. Partying, going on trips, having banquets, having fashion shows, is lurking in the churches where I live. So, I'm sounding the alarm. Now, here's what the Lord says to those of us who, who he has called to be watchmen. He says, When I say unto the wicked that thou shalt surely die, and thou giveth him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at your hand. Let me go back. I'm endeavoring to take my time today. This is, this is the process for how the Lord uses the watchman. Mothers of the church, you're a watchman. Pray intercessors, what do you think you're praying for? You're a watchman. Pastors, prophets, preachers, evangelists, watchmen. Somebody's got to be a watchman over your home. Who's that? Somebody's got to be a watchman in your church. Who's that? Somebody's got to be a watchman over your city. Who's that? So what he's saying, he said, because I called you to be a watchman, to be on post, to stay alert, to listen for my words, so that you could warn the people about the impending danger, But you fell asleep and you were unable to hear me when I said, look over there, there's danger. When I said, wake up and hear, thus said the Lord. Now, what he says is this. He said, I gave you a charge to both the wicked and the righteous. Are you hearing me? <laughs> he said, now, there's some wickedness going on in your house. There's some wickedness going on in your local church. There's some wickedness going on in your city. He said, now, I have charged you. No, you didn't go to minister's class. No, you don't have a license. No, you didn't have a big ordination service. No. But I, God, charge you to be a watchman. I fully equip you with everything that you need to be my watchman. So, he said, what I say for you to give a word to the wicked and proclaim that the wicked is just that. The wicked. When you warn them about what I'm going to do, because that's to save their life. Remember, God is all about saving his people. He said, I would that none perish. Hallelujah, Jesus. So he's saying, warn them so that they won't perish. He says, stop playing in your hair. Stop messing with your nails. Stop trying to be a fashion, a fashionista. Stop, stop, stop it. Just simply stop doing all that stuff. Stop planning. Stop marrying and giving into marriage. Eating and drinking and partying. Stop it. And here. 
For thus saith the Lord, I want to save them. I'm going to do it through you, my vessel. So I need you to wake up and warn them about the impending danger. Warn them that I'm coming back soon. The signs are here. Tell them about the signs. Go back and let them know about heaven and hell. (laughs) Talk to them about that. Don't talk to them about tithes and offerings. Don't talk to them about paying your rent and buying you a new car and sending you on a trip. Talk to them about heaven and hell. Talk to them about eternal life. The beauty of that. The beauty of sitting at his feet. The beauty of worshiping him. Talk to them about that. Talk to them about death. Let them know it is coming. Yes, God loves you. And he's going to free you one day from this wickedness down here. Talk to them about the fact that death is imminent. It's a certainty. It's a reality. But the choice of, of what happens to them after death is theirs. Talk sweetly in their ears about that. He said, but if you don't warn them about these things, they will die in their wickedness. They will die in their sin. And here's what he said. They should die in the wicked. The wicked will die in their iniquity. He said, but the blood of the wickedness, the blood of the wicked will I require at your hands. Well, you're probably saying, me, Lord, I didn't, I didn't do anything. He said, yeah, but you didn't stop it. <laughs> you didn't tell them that they would die and go to hell. You didn't tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You didn't tell them. You, first of all, you fell asleep on your post. You were tired from being up all night. You were tired from being worried about your bills. You were tired from being worried about your everlasting children. You were tired going through your husband's phone. You were tired going through your wife's phone. You fell asleep. So you did not warn the wicked about their wickedness. So he said, because you didn't, the blood is required at your hand. You didn't cry loud and spare not. Mothers of the church, you let the pastor put a muzzle on your mouth and told you to leave the people alone. Just leave the people alone. Mother's a new day. And you bought it. Even though God called you and gave you wisdom and told you where you fit in the church, you became intimidated. You saw it, but you turned your eyes. You turned your head. You saw it and you closed your eyes. And you sat quietly. You did what Eli did. You did what Samuel did. So the Lord is saying, the blood will I require at your hands. Now, then he gives you some help. He says in verse 19, I'm in Ezekiel 3, 18 and 19. Verse 19 says, Yet, now here's your help. If thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he still shall die. 
but thou hast delivered thy soul. Which means, simply, simply put, if you warn them and they continue in their wicked ways and they die without changing, no blood is required at your hand. You delivered because you delivered the word of God. You told them about themselves. You told them about their wickedness. You fulfilled what God told you to do. So now you need to be able to go to bed and go to sleep because you did what you were supposed to do. You sounded the alarm. You were the watchman. You watched. You followed God's instructions. And now... And they died while they were yet in their sins and trespasses. So, the blood is not required at your hand because you did your part. It just simply is, it's as simple as that. If I see it and don't speak about it, if I see it in my house, And I still let it go on. If I'm upstairs praising and worshiping. But next door to me in the next bedroom over. All I can hear is bumping up against the wall and carrying on. Bumping up against my wall and carrying on. But I put the covers over my head and pretend like I don't hear it. I try to pray a little louder and pretend like I don't hear it. God says, the blood is required at your hands. Because if they continue in that, They will die in their iniquity because God calls it wickedness. But the blood will be required at your hands because you refuse to knock on that door, actually to kick it open and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord or you won't be in here. So, therefore, the blood will, they die, but the blood will be required at your hand. Now, that's for the wicked. That's the warning for the wicked, but that's your job. God, why don't you just do it? You're the one that created man. You created heaven and earth. Why don't you just do it? He said, I need a mouthpiece. I need a vessel. I need a watchman on earth. And I chose you for the job. Now, let's talk about the wicked. Talk about the righteous. Verse 20 talks about the righteous. Talks about the warning for the righteous. He says, again, are you with me? Are you following along with me? Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity and I lay a stumbling block before him he shall die because thou hast not given him warning he shall die in his sin and his righteousness which he has done oh my lord shall not be remembered But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn, there you go, Lord, put me in it again. Yes. If thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin, that the righteous should sin not, and he does not sin, He shall surely live. Why? Because he is warned. 
Also, thou hast delivered thy own soul. <laughs> and let's take a look at 22. And the hand of the Lord was there upon me. And he said unto me, Arise, go forth into the plain. And I will there talk with thee. Then I arose and went forth into the plain. And behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river of Chiba. And I fell on my face. Let's go back to the righteous. God has a plan for both the wicked and the righteous. When a righteous man turns away from being righteous, when a righteous man turns from being in right standing with God, and he commits a sin, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he should die. And the reason the righteous man will die is because no one told the righteous man about his sin. No one cautioned, no one warned the righteous man about his unrighteousness. People of God, mothers of the church, we can't continue to look the other way. We can't continue to be pastors. We can't continue to be worried about the fact that I want my church filled up. And then once I get, them, get the church filled up, then I'm going to browbeat you about your tithes and your offering. Well, let me put a word in your ear. You're going to always browbeat them about tithes and offering because if they are not righteous, if they don't have a do-right mind, if they don't have a do-right heart, they're not going to follow the, the principles of tithing. They're not going to understand or even follow that the, the Bible says, be a cheerful giver. Give according to how, how God has blessed you. God loveth a cheerful giver. They're not going to grasp that principle because they are unrighteous. They've gone back to being unrighteous again. So what does it profit you to have a hundred people if they're still doing in the church what they were doing in the world? Your job is to preach to them. Your job is to teach to them. Your job is to feed them. God said, I will give my people, pastors, shepherds, after my own heart. Your job is to keep God's heart, to remain in his way. Your job is not to worry the people about giving. Your job is not to browbeat the people about giving. What are you, a plantation owner? Are you a slave owner? That's not your job. First of all, they are, they are called sheep. They're not your people. They are called sheep. God has shepherds and he has sheep. And sheep are to be led and fed by a shepherd who has God's own heart. If you read the 23rd Psalm, you will not find David or any shepherd beating the sheep. He had the rod, yes, but that rod was just to tap them, to guide them, to, to move them along. If they went out, if they got out of line, it was to get them back on course and move them gently, lovingly along so that he could 
feed them in green pastures so that they can lie down in peace in green pastures. You never find a shepherd beating the sheep. A good shepherd, a true shepherd, a shepherd with God's heart, leads and feeds. So, your job as the watchman for the, of their souls was to warn them. Just say what God says. Just give them God's word. So that you can save their lives. So with the righteous man, he said, when a righteous man turns from being righteous and commits a sin, he said, he's going to die. But he's going to die because you have not given him the warning. You were mad because he didn't pay his money in church. And you said, let him do what he's going to do. God will deal with him. That's what you said. You did not warn him in the word, about the word, about God's consequences. So the righteous man died in his sin. And the good stuff that he did before, the Bible said, it should not be remembered. Nobody would even remember the good that he did. Nobody would even remember his righteousness. On the obituary, nobody would talk about what he did before he died because of the way he died. Are you, are you hearing me? Nobody's going to talk about his life in Christ because his life after Christ when he went back out into the world and stayed there, loomed bigger and greater in the minds of the people. So he was not remembered for the righteousness that he did. And God said, because you didn't go to check on him, <laughs> you let him wander out there without checking on them, without bringing them to your church again and saying, let's pray. You didn't call them. You didn't send anybody after them. So God said, you were their shepherd. But when they turned from righteousness to unrighteousness, you forsook them. He said, so, and, and, and in fact, you didn't know they were dead until somebody told you they were dead. So the God said, the blood now is required on your hands, required at your hands. So how do you sleep knowing that? How do you sleep knowing that that was my deacon? My deacon was my right-hand man. My deaconess was my right-hand woman. But when they backslid, I left them to their own devices. I didn't call. I didn't have any time for them. And the next thing I knew I heard that they were dead. I heard that they took pills and they committed suicide. And all I could say was, oh my God. But did you look at your hands? Did you examine your heart? Did you ask yourself at all, was there anything else? 
See, that's your chance right there to get before God and repent. Be honest with him. Now, if you want to get up before the church and admit your wrongdoings, that's, that's you. But be honest with God and say, God, you're righteous and your judgment against me is righteous because I didn't do all that I could have done. In my high and mighty self, in all of my self-righteousness, no, I didn't. And we've all been guilty of that. We've been all been guilty of saying, I'm done with you. But we got to ask ourselves, how done are we supposed to be? We, only, we can only be done when God says, that's enough. You've done all that I require. Not what you're supposed to do, but you have done all that I require of you. So now, the blood will not be required at your hands. See, the wicked will die. You just got to make sure that when the wicked, we're back to talking about the wicked. You just got to make sure that when the wicked dies, you have done all that you can do. You also got to make sure that when the righteous man turns away from being righteous, that you've done all that you could do. Are you with me? Now, verse 21. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not so that he doesn't sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live. Praise God. Because he is warned and thou hast also delivered not only the righteous man's soul, but your soul as well. That's who God is. He says, and that's who we are. He says, you are my vessel. You are my watchman. You are my watchman on the wall. Ezekiel, he was God's watchman for both the wicked and the so-called righteous. His job was to sound the alarm that danger was approaching. In Jeremiah 6, 17, it says, I have set watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Now, if they say that, the blood is not required at your hand. So, can a new babe be a watchman of the church? No. That's like a new mother trying to be a watchman of her house. She's not equipped yet. She's not seasoned yet. So, can a jealous, immature first lady be the watchman over the church? Now listen to what I just said. Can a jealous, immature first lady be a watchman over the church? No. Can the gossiping, immature prophet be the watchman for the church? No. Can your own mother who sows discord in the church. Can she be a watchman in the house of God? Only those mothers of the church who have remained on the wall 
doing their work on their knees, waiting patiently to be called off the bench so that they can sound the alarm, so that they can cry loud and spare not. God has qualified the mothers of the church to be the watchmans. He's given them a job. But pastors, you all have benched them. You're scared of them. You're afraid that they're going to run your people away. You're afraid they're going to be caught up in old wives' tales and superstitions and all those things. But I understand, as a storyteller and as a pastor for 13 years, I understand what you're saying. I understand that you are afraid that you will lose your quote-unquote people if the wrong people approach them. But here's the thing. Remember what the Lord said to you. In Jeremiah 3.15, he says, I have given you shepherds after my own heart. So if he has given, if he has made you a shepherd that has his own heart over his people, would he allow mothers of the church to not have that same heart? If you have God's heart, aren't you fully capable of being able to trust, being able to discern those people that have the heart of God for the people that God has given to you? Why aren't you able to trust that spirit that's in you? Why aren't you able to trust that heart that God has given you? To look out among yourselves. Look out among your church. And allow God to reveal to you the mothers, the seasoned, mature mothers that have a heart after God, which means they will have a heart after his people. Why aren't you able to do that? Why have you benched them and muzzled them so that all they can do is cry silently? Why have you done that? If you, do, if you do believe that God has chosen you a shepherd after his own heart. Are you God's shepherd for real? Now, I guess that's really the real question. Are you God's shepherd chosen by him or did you choose yourself? Are you God's shepherd chosen by him or did you inherit that position as pastor. Are the people your sheep or are they your people? Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, we all call them our people because that, those are the people that God gave us. That's fine. You can do that. If that shoe fits you, then wear that thing. But God calls them sheep. We're not going to haggle over words. God has a name for all of us. He calls them sheep. Because sheep, in fact, he divinely, he divinely called them a name, which is sheep. Because the sheep need to be led and fed. They need to be led and fed. And God has given you his own heart to do that. And to do that with love and in love. And if you don't lead God's people and correct God's people with the, in the way that you should, then you don't have God's heart. If you don't feed God's people with godly nourishment, you don't have God's heart. If you willfully 
let the sheep wander off to get lost or hurt. A shepherd with God's heart, you're not. See, the shepherd's job is to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with patience, with all long suffering and doctrine. Read 2 Timothy 4 and 2. When you're dealing with God's people, use the word of God, not your feelings, not your opinions. You don't deal with people at the behest of someone else's personal emotions. You deal with God's people. You correct them. You place someone over them who's a watchman for real after their souls. You do it. You, you look out among you pastors and appoint elders who are seasoned. Appoint seasoned, mature watchmen who can work with the people in grace and mercy. In the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. People who are already walking in accord with God's principles of love. Already walking in the fruit of the, of the Spirit, of God's Spirit. Pastors, you look out among you and know who the true Titus women are. Know who the true mothers are. Because listen, you need some help. You can't do this by yourself. You need to go back and loose those mothers of the church. Because you got some women in that church that needs the touch of the mothers. They need the wisdom of the mothers in the church. You can't do all of that. God calls some titles women, women that are seasoned and mature, women that know how to tell those women to dress, sweetheart, as professing godliness. You got to lose them and let them go. Get them off the bench so they can instruct the women before God takes them home. A lot of your, your aged women, who are your titles women, who are your mothers, they're going home soon. Loose them and let them go. God will reveal to you who the true mothers are. I know you're afraid, but you gotta trust God that he will show you who has the heart of God. Don't trust them just because they're aged, but because they possess God's wisdom, but because they possess his truth and they possess his knowledge. Not mothers who are full of old wives' tales, superstitions, traditions, not women who are gossipers and tale bearers. I understand how you feel, Pastor. You're worried that these women are going to run your, your people away. But you remember, you're not going to call them your people anymore. You're going to call them sheep. So you're worried about that. Because you understand that just because they're old doesn't make them wise. They're just old in age but not mature. Just because they're old and aged doesn't make them godly. So thus, they're not chosen by God to be the mothers of the church. But you do have some aged women that are watchmen. Loose them. Let them watch so that they can sound the alarm. Again, you can't do everything. You're the head, but you're not the whole body. 
use the women. And I'm going to come back with part three. Loose them. Loose these mothers. Get them off the bench. They need their turn at bat. They've got some wisdom for women that don't know how to dress in the church. They've got some wisdom for women who don't know how to behave themselves with their spouse. They got some wisdom for women who are loud and stubborn and rebellious. We'll talk about that in part three. But in the meantime, call them up and say, I'm losing you, mother. Forgive me for benching you. Forgive me for almost letting you die without being used. That wisdom was never supposed to go on to glory with you. You were supposed to leave it down here on these young mothers, on these young women who thought that dressing half naked in the church was a lifestyle. Stay tuned for part three. I am the storyteller.